0: It's time for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary, focusing on a classic episode as we join the hosts,
1: Chris Vint and James Etock, and hear their thoughts on their chosen episode.
0: Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. Now, if you're subscribed via iTunes, and if you're not, you really should be, you will see that there is a title that says The Cosmic Comet. Now... We've decided to branch out into doing DVD commentary, and a guy who normally does Trivia Facts in 60 seconds, he has a bit longer this time, but thankfully I'm not going to count the Trivia Facts because I would be here all day, is Mr. James Etock. Hello, James.
1: Hello, Chris. Pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, pleasure to have you here. Now, if memory serves, somebody used to do this with um, the He-Man DVDs, would you care to elaborate on this for me? Yeah, thanks.
1: Back in, uh, what, 2003, I think it was, myself and Dave Dagar Newman uh, were kindly invited by a Contender, uh, who released the UK He-Man DVDs, to do two commentaries per disc. And, you know, without a uh, blow own trumpet, they seemed to be quite well-received, because they were, you know, a lot of fun, as opposed to us wearing anoraks and demanding that these were the best pieces of animation since Walt Disney. Um, so yeah, uh, basically me and Dave did, I think it was 18 commentaries across nine discs. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? That's math- mathematics for you. <laughs> um, and when we were all said and done, we were like, oh, if only we'd done this and only if we'd done that. And when you kindly offered to uh, let's, let's do some commentaries, I was like, hell yeah, let's do these episodes that I never had a chance to do. Mm-hmm. Like the Cosmic Comet, Shaping stuff, The Problem With Power... Origin of the Sources, all, all the you know, the the greatest show on Eternia, all the brilliant oh, episodes. Why <laughs> did you have to
0: bring that up? We were starting off so well, and you had to bring I'm sorry, that up I'm and just I'm, cut I'm, us all. I've
1: I've lowered I've lowered the tone already. Now, we're going to um, hopefully do some uh, good commentaries across all these episodes, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, we've you know, it's kind of a bit weird getting back into this, and like for yourself, Chris, it's it's a bit nerve wracking, but I'm sure we'll uh, we'll make something.
0: Well, this is this is going to be a sheer thrill for me because this is where I find your name, you know, James E. Talk. Oops. Obviously, it, it, it rarely changes, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's how I find out how knowledgeable you were about He-Man was, you know, doing the audio commentaries, whenever I bought the DVDs and uh, putting them in and listening to the audio commentaries, you know, it was an absolute joy hearing yourself and Dave talk about them, so to actually be sitting here and with my DVD remote in hand, ready to hit play and um, listen to you talk about certain stuff and me chime in, probably more the co- uh, maybe the comedy relief and saying oh, like <laughs> that, you know, like that there, blah 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 blah, um, but basically Basically folks, what we're going to do is James and I obviously have to try and sync our uh, DVDs up as best we can. We've had a trial run and it seems to work. It's very technical. <laughs> yeah, it's very technical. All we have basically have to do is go 3, 2, 1, hit play. Don't hit play yet James, that is no. not a green light. Yeah. Um, but that's basically what all we have to do. So James, are you ready to get into the goodness that is the comic, cosmic comet, if I could talk? Oh.
1: The comic Cosmic, I, yeah. I like that title actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got uh, me, me uh, my hand on the remote ready to press as soon as you do the countdown. So we're going on go, correct?
0: Yeah, we'll three go 3, one, 2, hand. 1, go. go. And that's okay. the way we'll go. It's not a lethal weapon scenario. Do we go on 3 or is it 1, 2, 3, and then we go? <laughs> um, right. As
1: long as the toilet doesn't explode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
0: just charming. See if I get waterlogged in here, I'm blaming you. <laughs> uh, I have your address, so I'll just send the to your address. That's oh, dear. Fine. So, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. So, folks, just sit back and relax and listen to us talk about Filmation and presenting Human the Master Universe, the Cosmic Comet. Uh, James, what do you remember about this episode? Do you remember the first time you watched it or anything
1: like that? Um, to be honest, for this one, no. I mean, as, as a kid growing up, I watched, uh, you know, um, most of the series, but I think I've mentioned before because the um, the UK showed the series in such weird batches. For instance, we were the you know, I've gone online many times saying we, we were the first country to get He Man. You know, wow, September the 5th, 1983, He Man in the Master Universe premieres in the UK. You think, wow, that's amazing. Unfortunately, we got four episodes, then there was nothing for many months and then the next series started in 1984 and then we got like another 5 episodes and there was another 3 month break so it was hard to know when to catch episodes, especially as a kid because you're not like looking at the TV guide, at least I wasn't, you know you just you turn on, um, for us it was children's ITV, and uh, suddenly he Man, good good old days, and um, yeah so I don't remember catching this the first time around I remember catching the rerun because again we, uh, we had this series shown once and then in rerun, for once, and that was it. That's all. We only ever had the, show, the series shown twice on terrestrial television. I think Cable picked it up many, many years later. But, uh, yeah, so, so I, I, recall, I, re, I remember watching this on the, um, yeah, the rerun, but uh, I did tape it for some reason. <laughs> so, yeah, here we are at Castle Grayskull.
0: With, if you'll notice,
1: please, green sky. Well, actually, clouds, which are so rarely ever seen in this sequence. You've always got like the purple sky. And uh, yeah, here we are, Evelyn in, lowering the jawbridge with her eyes, because she can do that.
0: It's probably the easiest break in ever.
1: Yeah, just like, oh, there's a comet. Check out my eyes. Bzz, the jawbridge. Yeah. And I should mention the first bit of um, infamous or famous, whatever you want to call it, filmation stock reuse. Uh, this sequence here: He-Man grabs Beast-Man, take that, and he throws him. Wee! Now, this was this would later appear three episodes down the line in Diamond Ray of Disappearance, but Diamond Ray of Disappearance was actually the first episode made, so this is technically the reuse of the animation. And also, we should mention uh, Robert Lamb, who's you know has got a great uh, online presence, has actually stated that. Um, <laughs> If you look there, there's a moat, like a mud moat, and in his storyboards, that's around the castle because at that point in the series, they hadn't, they didn't know what was around the castle, so he designed this mud moat. And uh, there was, a, there was a deleted scene. Where there was a panning shot from He-Man and Man-arms, which goes down the castle and shows this moat at the bottom. But luckily, they scrapped that just for time, um, which later on allowed everybody to write, you know, about the abyss and stuff like that, including Robert Lamb himself, who wrote into the abyss. So, uh, yes. Um, Thank goodness the mud moat never was connected truly to the castle. True. And one thing was, why
0: didn't the sorcerers just come out to tell him that?
1: Yeah, that's. that's I never, I've never thought about that. Damn it, this, this is why these monsters <laughs> are going to be great, because. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>, she's not <laughs> <all laughs> that, she just a pit. She opens the castle, and it's like, alright, boys, what are you doing out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um. I've never really uh, thought about that. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's one thing. You'll
0: obviously see things that I'll pick and just go, you know, like, you know, um, like there's a part coming up here um, whenever you see Orko, um, just with the way they look at each other, you know, whenever Orko's sitting here, about, you know, you know, like, I'll stay here and do my tricks and go like, you know, I should stay here and do my tricks and go like, you know, and and go, like well, on second thoughts, maybe, you know, you should go with these guys, and they're looking at each other, like, just going, oh, oh, great, it's going to be trouble. We've got
1: Taylor and Orko, so, uh, <laughs> secret identity again. But yeah, this, this, uh, the Cosmic Comet is like an interesting first episode, because it's not like uh, one of the classics, as it were. It's, uh, it's a good episode, but it's like, you know, because of these episodes would obviously. It, eventually be aired in production. They'd air the episodes the first time around as they made them, but then in every second syndicated run, it would be shown in a production order, so this would be the first episode, and that was, if people were discovering the series for the first time, they'd be like, oh, who are these people? There's no explanation, whereas obviously Diamond Rave Disappearance this is He-Man, this is Beast-Man, this is Skeletor, this is Tricolops, Avail- available for $4.99, you know. <laughs> Oh well, this this scene originally was scripted to take take place around Skeletor's council table, uh, where he often, you know, sits there in his throne. But uh, I think dramatically it works better in the mouth of the snake.
0: Yeah, plus the fact that obviously Beastman gets a lot um, more stupid as the series goes on, so the fact that, you know, his powers mean a great deal that they need his powers in order to do that.
1: Oh definitely, Um, Yeah. yeah. It's funny because, uh, yeah, Beastman, he's like, you know, he starts, if you go, you, you know, his origins are in those mini-comics and stuff that came with the figures, and he was just like this savage henchman. And then by the end of the series, he's the bumbling, oafish henchman who barely gets, you know, decent material. Sometimes it's downright embarrassing, you know, just to, to watch him on screen. But, uh, yes, it's it's uh, it's good, like you say, they, they need Beastman. You know, whereas in the latter season, they'll be like, Beastman, get out of here. And he's like, okay, your Yeah, uh, a bit of. If you notice that the the attack track always goes behind a giant uh, rock structure, and then you see it in the distance, so they don't have to show that the attack track turn a corner. Get that rock structure in the way.
0: And we just saw that. Yeah, Zagras, who uh, we'll just listen to him talk. I just picture him up near the ceiling with a table and some tea, a la Mary Poppins.
1: Oh yes. (laughs) So
0: what can I do for you? Well, uh, we were hoping you could tell us something about the cosmic comet. The, the cosmic <laughs> comet? Yeah, Skeletor is planning to take control of it. It was, it
1: was the yeah, it's a, it's a famous actor, um, Ed Edwin. And as a kid, I, I could never. I was like, fault. I thought this voice I've heard it before. It's obviously not the same actor. This is John Irwin doing an impression of Edwin. But if you go across a lot of cartoons over the years, a lot of act, voice actors do this voice. I think in a few episodes, I, I'm trying to remember which Alan Oppenheimer actually does this kind of voice. Uh, John Owen does it the best. Alan Oppenheimer obviously played Skeletor, and uh, John Owen was He-Man. But yeah, uh, you know, obviously very strange-looking comments there, clashing in this in the skies. Oh, I love filmation special effects. <laughs> yeah, here's Zagras explaining his uh, tale of woe. Zagras himself would appear. I'm Trying to remember episode. Oh. I'm gonna to guess episode. Yeah. Well, no, there's 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 that one. Uh, he actually appears in capture. The, reappears in capture the comic keeper, um, which Robert Lamb wrote after, because Robert Lamb storyboarded this episode, and then he went on to write capture the comic keeper, thinking, let me bring back Zagras. Um, but the funny thing is, in between that, uh, J. Michael Straczynski wrote uh, the magic falls, which I think was episode one two one or one two two, and in that. Uh, they, there's a character called The Gatekeeper, who helps Orko get his magic back. The, the unfortunate thing is, they use Zagraz, pretty much as is, as The Gatekeeper. And then, what, six episodes later, Zagraz reappears in the series. Mm-hmm. anybody watching will be like, what the hell's going on?
0: I like the way that um, Beastman says, when are we going to do our cosmic assault a- on Castlevania? Sounds yeah. like something Rodney from Moony and Horses would <laughs> say.
1: No, I mean, that's the, the good thing about this episode. Is it's so it's so early. Is that I think if you if you read the script, you could almost like see it as like one of these early DC mini comics kind of thing. There's a lot of you know aside from the Prince Adam factor. There's a lot of kind of an all there's a lot of that kind of dialogue which is very uh, I don't know less Saturday morning and more you know tied in with the myth- mythos of the series. Or maybe I'm just rambling again.
0: There's Adam falling off a rock. Which uh, see, what? One of the later things was Philip Mechanic's son falling oh, yeah. in a pit of lumens and watch yeah. where you're running, children. And here <laughs> we see Tila with Adam. Um, you'll see this uh, used a bit later on with Tila and Zagra So, Filmation using their uh, stock animation very
1: wisely. Oh, very much so. I mean, they were, You know, I mean, people will complain about the Filmation stock a lot. I, you know, a lot, a lot. But the one thing I always love about it is that you didn't get in a lot of 80s cartoons is that you pretty much knew with an episode of He-Man and She-Ra and filmation shows in general what style of visuals you were going to get. You wouldn't get much deviation. You'd get like episodes directed by Tom Tataranowitz where he'd slightly you know, up the budget and things would look a lot better. But generally, you knew what you were going to get. Whereas, like, for instance, you know, I love Transformers. And I'd watch an episode of that, and sometimes, you know, characters would change from scene to scene because they'd have animation shipped from studio to studio or from animation team to animation team. And it would be like quite distracting you know to see Optimus Prime stood there and then he looks like you know very different in the following shot you know go from very box looking to very human looking in terms of uh, character dynamics whereas Filmation you always knew what you were going to get. That maybe sounds bad but uh, no, for me it's uh, reuse of Filmation's stock system especially on this coming up sequence of uh, the transformation is to me it was always a bonus especially for this because this is like every episode I'm glued to the box when uh, this sequence takes place and see Prince Adam transforming into He-Man. it got to be one of the most complicated, you know, animation sequences ever done in terms of, you know, to get all the special effects you'd have to shoot the film, go back shoot it again, go back shoot it again, each time putting a mask on, not a mask on the, the gallery's operating the camera, but a mask to cover certain bits to, you, you, you expose the film over and over again and therefore the white lines become lightning. That bit of film is exposed more and more. It's an incredibly complicated sequence, considering that you know they did it. They, obviously, they do it once, and then it just becomes dupe, dupe, neg, which means they just cut it into every episode where it needs to be. But it's an amazing sequence to watch. I'd love to know how much it costs, to be honest.
0: You see, just saying, oh, I'm like, you silly old man, what are you doing? <laughs> and here we see, obviously, we've oh. just talked about that, and you see that in the intro sequence of He-Man punching.
1: He-Man's yeah, um, famous punch. Yeah. Which, Which was actually not- Cleve- I was say was cleverly done, because uh, that was Filmation's way of getting away from violence. If you show He-Man punching the screen, he's not punching anybody, really. So he punches the screen, therefore he's not punching the uh, you know these humanoid creatures. Yeah, very I, was uh, just, I
0: was just about to say that, so you took the words right out of my Oh, I'm mind, sorry, mind. man. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. You're okay. <laughs> you okay. But, uh, yeah, it's always a joy to watch as you said, the transformation sequence. So now we have to see... Um, it's obviously ties in nicely to the moral of the story, you know, that, um, here we can see, as I uh, was talking about earlier, yeah. um, there you are, so, earlier on it was Adam, and Night it's Saga. so, Tila likes lying down on the ground an awful lot. Uh, take it, take it out what you will. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's in, uh,
1: 91 episodes, 90 episodes later, I think, in The Littlest Giant, you see her doing the same pose, instead of Prince Adam, this time it's He-Man she's holding. Hmm. I'm trying to think, I'm sure there's another one somewhere. Oh, I can't rack my brain for that. Alco becomes a vacuum cleaner here. He's very weak, but I think I can help him. There we go. This is, this is like a, let's go get Skeletor. And Skeletor gets to one of his most, I'd say, famous catchphrases. Oh, you know what I'm going to say. Here we go. Oh, yeah, the the. the, fa- the, the probably the most often used villainous vehicle, the Basher, which is, um, I always thought it was a really cool looking vehicle, you know, ship, and you, know, you wonder for a majority of it, why is it called the Basher, and then eventually out comes the Ram in like, I think it's *Song of Solis, and you're like, oh that's why it's called the Basher, you know, it takes that long to, get to find out, but it was never obviously made into a toy, so there's this whole confusing thing of... You know, Mattel advertise our it toys as formation, like, yeah sure, we'll just use these vehicles that we've invented ourselves, like the Attack Track, which looks nothing like the toy, and the Basher, which looks like, like nothing-anything, because they didn't make a toy of it.
0: Obviously the Dragon Walker looks very similar in the cartoon and in the, um, the toy. Um, oh yeah. One I mean, of the most pointless it? vehicles ever designed.
1: Dragon Walker, just <laughs> rubbish. That's my, fr- that's my summary of the Dragon Walker, rubbish. Problem. I'll stop you this time. There's some good, uh, you know, amazing computer graphics here. You see the, uh, you know, attack track, target locked and firing. I'd like to think this was a complicated animation sequence, but really it's not. <laughs> I always forget about the fact that he just blows off both wings at the same time. That's precision for you. Precision. And where does Beastman end up? You can't have him crash at the ground, that would be too. in the mud.
0: And he can't get that dry cleaned. And, and here, Skeletor and Evil yeah. uh, holding hands and Aww. professing their love to the whole of Eternia. Yeah,
1: check us out. Yeah. <laughs> Look at super powered lots of exposure there.
0: Are you talking about Evil No, or? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did think about that after I said it. Now this is um, we get to see uh, watch this Skeletor leaps from the mouth of the snake. Wee, all the way. There. You see a, a little bit of rotoscope, and there when he lands.
0: In one of the episodes, like he falls like about two feet and makes this almighty. Here ah. <laughs> <laughs> we hear the immortal line that James is talking about. Do it,
1: do it, sir. So Evelyn's laughing. <laughs> you did it, Skeletor. Of
0: course, Skeletor taking all the credit.
1: What happens to the heroes? What's, what's, what's that Disappear. all
0: about? It's this sorceress, you boob. <laughs> Of course, he calls King Randor a boob in a later yeah. episode. Of course, I remember all these boob references. That doesn't bode well for me, really, on this podcast. And obviously, we've seen that used earlier on as well. There's, a, there's, a, there's one
1: particular word that Skeletor is in one of the uh, season 2 episodes that I'll actually mention if we should ever get there and it's actually in another uh, language in a foreign tongue it's actually an offensive word so I'm not sure how they got away with that in, a car, in, in of an episode of He-Man but uh, We'll get to that when we come to it. something to look forward to. Skeletor swears. <laughs> so yeah, this is the whole, like, like, uh, Chris Pine is, uh, Zagraz, you know, overcoming his struggle with his, uh, doubts. And they're like, oh, come on, Zagraz, you can do it. And he's like, oh, I can't. And they're like, yeah, you can. If you put one your thing, mind...
0: One thing that's always been lovely about watching He-Man is the music. Unfortunately, oh. they've never released uh, you know like a legitimate Filmation CD with the music. But uh, one of the episodes we'll probably talk on was the one you were talking about, James. The first one to air was The Diamond Ray of Disappearance. The music in that is very different to the yes. music that they've used in a lot of the other episodes I noticed.
1: Well, the funny thing about... I know it's, there's this particular bit of music, and I know the one you're talking about, like um, for, for people listening, like... Uh, when Skeletor and his evil warriors are marching towards Castle Skull, and you get that kind of droning music that's kind of like uh, almost like deep and repetitive. That actual music point. was used in previously used in Myster- Mysterious Cities of Gold, which was the, it was another series com- where the music was composed by um, Shooky Levy, or Haim Saban and Shooky Levy, but Shooky Levy was the composer. Um, and they, I, I think when it came to He man you know, especially with Diamond rave's disappearance, the reason the, the he-man theme song is used so many times in the episode is that they're they're constantly going we need some more music let's get some from mysterious cities of gold and we've got the He-Man theme there's really not that much different you know you don't get the famous snake mountain theme song um, you know the, that you know, the, the the heavy piano deep piano set on, on that you don't get that in, in that episode at all the so diamondray clearly the first episode in so many ways
0: here yeah, we see the comet talking you know Orko's saying, there it is up there, pointing to the sky where normally you find comets.
1: Yeah, oh, uh, Lou Shimer voice in the comet, and Orko. And anyone else can get his hands on, luckily. <laughs> oh, I, I love Lou Shimer's voice actor. I mean, I still, yeah, you you know, maybe in another commentary I'll be ranting about how much I love Trapjaw's voice. Uh, just Lou Shimer as a, a voice actor. It's amazing, you know, he did it to cut costs. As, as You go by the pseudonym Eric Gundon. But uh I just thought as a voice actor he was great, you know, he did Orco, did Trapjaw, Stratos, King Randor Lose Count.
0: He's done a lot of the voices that I particularly like. You know oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Stratos and King Randor's voices are awesome. Trapjaw I didn't know that until you pointed it out to me uh, quite a while back. Is it like you know, Trapjaw was voiced by Lou Shammer, I was sitting there going, Really? I did not know that. So Yeah, it's
1: um is a voice he used in um, oh my goodness, what's the show? Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. It was like this character had exactly the same voice. And I remember watching that, thinking, hang on a second, that's uh, that's the same voice. So this is this is anything I don't like about this action sequence. Oh, we get a good bit of animation. Of the sorceress here, where she conjures diddling with her little fingers. That 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 animation appears later in um, Too Safe Skeletor. But yeah, heat man flying through the sky. I've I've really got issues with. I just think it's. Sit, you know I, know, I know he's supposed to, you know, be able to do certain things like do, you know, push this or throw that. But to stop a comet in mid-air when there's nothing supporting him, and the interesting thing is, in the original script, it's actually stated that the sorcerer creates like a magical glowing disc that he travels upwards on, and therefore he's got something to, you know, uh, push against so he can push against the comet. So it's, it's a, uh, yeah, the. I don't know,
0: it's, it's uh, not a great action sequence for me. It's very much like the thing in uh, Trouble and Trolla*. whenever um, they're actually going to find his power, you know, he's on like a, almost looks like a like a, a coin that him and battlecat Norco are actually on, and then it actually just takes off from the ground.
1: Oh, Orko's well, missing magic, yeah, yes, I don't know what you're talking about, no, no, that's, 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 yeah, that's a weird one, that, yeah. Oh, this, this shot of Castle Grey Skull from a distance, I think he's only ever used in this one episode. Maybe in some of Celeste as well, but it's a, a weird shot. The castle doesn't look quite right. And oh, we get some really uh, fluid animation on um, Zagres here. Not filmation stock. He's moving about quite a bit, tapping his little fingers. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very.
0: hardly moved an inch there.
1: Oh, he moved his arm. The He Man goes, <laughs> You never thought you were. <laughs> oh, uh, this is this actually, I like this little thing. Um, in the UK, when they showed episodes, they often cut them for time because we didn't have uh, adverts. So the episode actually ended here, with Skeletor flying off in the distance going He-Man! <laughs> and it actually works better if you watch it. I think it's much. It's such a great way to end the episode. Here we go. He-Man! And that's where the episode ends in the UK. <laughs> and I just think it's, such a, it's a great ending. Um, but no, the, re- the real ending is this weird tagged-on thing where Prince Adam's uh, mastering the power of... Uh, you, you the want- force. <laughs> yeah, the force. <laughs> and uh, Zagraz says One, once you've done this, you can pretty much control comets, which kind of puts Zagraz's uh, powers... like doesn't make the most of them. It's like, oh, is, is that what you do? So yeah, end joke with Orko, and uh, that's the cosmic comet. We get a moral from... Uh, Man at Arms talking about trying and trying again, another Zagras thing.
0: Thankfully, it's not the Homer Simpson one of the le- try, try again, and you know, once you fail, the lesson is never try. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thankfully, <laughs> it's not. that segment. Yeah, so
0: uh, what are your overall thoughts on this, James? You know, like if you had to give it a, an overall mark, or you know, like where does it rank in your. Your love of um, Filmation Masters of the Universe?
1: Um, it's. I think it's an enjoyable episode. I think it could have been a, a lot better. But uh, as, as scripts go and as stories go, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's never going to be a classic, but it's uh, it's one that you can watch and not get bored with. Yeah, that's very true. So
0: that basically uh, sums up our little little commentary to do with Cosmic Comic James, did you enjoy yourself there? Yes, very the... much so,
1: very much so it's an yes. honour to with you sir
0: <laughs> yes, well I look forward to doing plenty more I hope, and some of the ones that you've been busting to do, sure. is there some particular that you've got marked or do you not want to, uh, to shell out that information as yet
1: uh, let's let's, uh, let's keep it as a surprise as to what appears next, okay. but uh, yeah there's, there's a lot I still want to talk about
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, James, for partaking in this. It's been a joy, and as I say, here's to, here's to many more as the, the toast normally goes.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's been a beautiful experience. I'm actually welling up.
0: <laughs> uh, sarcasm is not your forte. <laughs> uh, but thank you very much, James. Until next time. In today's story, Zagraz had a problem. He lost his confidence in himself because he had once failed. Well, now, we all fail sometimes, but we should never be afraid to try again. And we should always keep believing in ourselves. As the old saying goes, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Until later, bye.